0: Hi everybody welcome to the vanquish your demons podcast i'm julia stock and today i have a guest speaker um mainly because the lovely vicky henderson is ill this week so hopefully she will be back up and running soon um so i have bill stock um it god um with me this week hello that's hello so we're going to continue the theme that we've had for our last few weeks recordings which is around, you know, what people are calling the cost of living crisis. But, of course, for a business, it's a inflation surge. Um, everything's going to pot. How do we cope crisis, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but it's a crisis of frustration, really, isn't it? I mean, it's like really difficult to buy anything at the moment. Have you not noticed that? which is basically what we're talking about here isn't it like how how people can buy stuff and how we can sell stuff to
0: people yes but it's you know we've spent several weeks talking about price um and lots of people are, are hugely reluctant to put their prices up partly because they are convinced that they will go out of business if they do um there are some businesses that are genuinely experiencing <laughs> massive supply-side issues that are really preventing them from growing because they can't get hold of stock. And there are a lot of businesses being horrendously caught out by energy prices, particularly in the UK, aren't there?
1: Absolutely. So but there's also this assumption that, that things are going to change in the short term.
0: They're yeah. not, are they?
1: No, they're not. They're, they, this is basically going back to what it was like nineteen eighty-three in terms of supply chain. People, you no are old to enough to remember
0: order. those times.
1: Yeah, it's well before the internet when people didn't order things and had to expect them to turn up on nine o'clock the next morning, even if it's a Sunday. You know, we've 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 sort of regressed a little bit.
0: Yes um and it's interesting because you know in terms of supply side shortages around um supermarket shopping those have been in place for 3 4 years really you know the gaps on the shelves um there was a whole period i remember of about 6 months where you could not buy a pea um you can not was... buy peas in certain places yes there are no peas on earth um and yeah, it's just we we were so spoilt for a long time, um, but as a business owner, there's enough to be dealing with. You don't want to be struggling with supply side issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I'm sort of coming at it from a di- slightly different angle. I'm, I'm coming at it from the consumption angle because I tend to buy stuff rather than sell stuff, which is, which is a whole load of conversation itself, but but from the point of view of actually creating stuff and building things, the, the fact that you now have to go, well, yeah, it might turn up next week, it might turn up the week after, it might turn up in six months' time, you know, yes. that's the so that supply side issue has an immense ability in your immense impacts on your ability to create stuff.
0: Yes. And um, to deliver stuff. And, that's... and making promises to your customers. So... <laughs> How can we innovate our way out of
1: these issues? How can we innovate our way out of these issues? That's a really good question. Um, I think the the flexibility needs to come back into things. I, I, I know it's a standing joke that that for instance we take stuff out to replace a piece of equipment, um, and previously we'd ah, it go in the bin. Mm-hmm. Even if it's even if it still vaguely works, you know you're now in that sort of situation that if the bit that doesn't turn up from China or wherever it's supposed to come from doesn't turn up, you still need to use that piece of equipment or if the piece of equipment from China kind of turns up and dies on day one, then you need to swap the other one back in again. You need to think in terms of, you know what's my plan B if, if my first idea doesn't work, my first piece of purchasing doesn't turn up when it's supposed to. We need to. We need to be thinking about contingency plans, ways of work, working around those issues.
0: Okay, contingency plan sounds
1: very grown up. Yeah, but everybody should have a plan B.
0: <laughs> so, a plan B does require there to be a plan A.
1: Well, yeah, plan A, plan A is very important, but you know, where you go when it doesn't work, you know, if okay. you want to get. If you want to sort of still get to somewhere near where you're trying to achieve in terms of a destination or a goal, then only having one way of getting there isn't really going to hack it in the current climate. You need to have a way, an alternative route.
0: And you've raised a couple of really interesting points there. One is being clear about your destination, what it is that you're trying to achieve, um, being clear about the service levels that you're looking to offer um and now is a good time to be reviewing those it's always a good time to review those but also perhaps not being too hung up on the perfectionism there are lots of business owners out there that are hung up on there's only one way to deliver this there's only one way for us to be and so you see people who create stress don't you um in their lives by insisting on a level of perfectionism that actually holds them back.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's we have an assumption around things will happen the way that people tell us they're gonna happen straight away. And we expect people to be right you know, <laughs> all of the time, but the reality is we're human and, and you know, it, I think the message that we should be giving to people needs to change. It needs to move from the certainty of this will happen here to, yeah, our aspiration is to have this happen here now at this point in time. We think that there's a 90% chance of it happening at this point in time, but it might happen here, might happen here. And the communication around you know, the delivery of those things that we sell to people needs to change around that. Um,
0: yes. There's an awful lot of organisations that are not proactive in their customer communication. Mm -hmm. Um, They still give out this illusion that, of course, we can deliver X, Y and Z, when actually, if you're clear to people what the issues are at the beginning, you're upfront and completely honest about it, Um, this has got to come on a boat from China.
1: And that boat might get... Stuck waiting to go to Rotterdam, and the guys in Rotterdam might be on strike, and then there might not be any diesel. And yeah,
0: we have been given an anticipated delivery date of such, but we are not in control.
1: But, um, but the point coming back to the the, the plan A, plan B. Stuff, okay, if I know that my widget is stuck in a container at Rotterdam and they're on strike, you i have to do, do something about, about it. it. Whereas if you keep telling me that it's going to turn up next Tuesday and I plan, and I plan, and I plan next Tuesday, I'm going to hate you when it doesn't turn up next Tuesday.
0: Yes, and it's that thing of, do you disguise the issues in order to get the sale and then desperately hope that you can fulfil that sale? Or are you honest up front about the difficulties, in which case some clients may not purchase from you, but they were probably the clients that, you weren't going to manage to fulfil their offer anyway.
1: And you'd only end up refunding them
0: on Yes. Yes. Um, and you're giving yourself a whole world of pain and angst, chasing a sale that is the wrong sale. But in this environment where people are feeling desperate, we tend to stop engaging our brain, don't we? Yeah, we're all
1: a bit panicky. Yes. And, and
0: yeah, it is that insecurity, isn't it? So, um, when we're feeling insecure, we tend not to innovate, don't we? We tend to innovate when we're in a good place.
1: So- I think there's the, it's the bleeding edge argument, isn't it? Now is not the time to be on the bleeding edge. You want to be a little bit, a little bit conservative in your design and uh, design choices. So you're picking up on things which. <sighs> Yeah, you can deal with some more certainty as opposed to going out there and getting the most amazing solution. Get with a solution that works.
0: Yes, but we can still use innovation as a business coping strategy because in every business, even the best run businesses, there is inefficiency.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are other ways of making it work better than just having the most whizzy thing latest off the boat from wherever it is. Generally, yeah.
0: the latest whizzy thing is normally more hassle than it's worth, isn't it?
1: Uh, I don't know, ask the boys from Mercedes, <laughs> but yeah, are we talking about like, their cars or something? their Formula One team? There, <laughs> I think, I think there's a, there's an argument that says that it's far better to fuck up with a car that kind of works and doesn't bounce all over everywhere and we will go around the corners and not give the drivers a headache than it is to turn up with one which might be amazing but actually doesn't work. So we're is, talking is about that, Formula One there. Yeah, I just we, wanted we, to clarify
0: before the people from it, Mercedes-Benz sued us for being unnecessarily rude.
1: That I'm not rude. I, I think I think you have to you have to admire somebody who's prepared to go for an out there design. But um yeah, it's the importance of having Plan B.
0: And it is interesting, isn't it? Going back to Mercedes and their F one team on the, yes, they have this car that's theoretically amazing.
1: We're mm-hmm. now
0: 13 races in, 14 races yeah. in, um, you know, we're a long way through the season and you are still flogging this thing and you're still talking like you're going to continue with this concept next year, even though it's driven you completely potty. That uh, is that an example of innovation or stubbornness and a refusal to change strategy? Is this genius from them? Or ridiculousness?
1: It's only genius if it works.
0: <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> but, yeah, it's that thing of it might
1: work. Yeah. How
0: long do you flog that horse for?
1: The problem is that, uh, do I know this is what, what we started talking about, but there's the whole thing that if you... So they could basically go back to a certain level... You know, go back to a simpler design, a more conventional design, and they're not going to. They're they're so far off at this point. They might as well carry on. Yep. Because if they do carry on, then it's a work of genius. If they don't carry on, then they're really average. You know, it's it's it's, it's better to be. Yeah. I was going to say go down in flames, kind of thing, or, <laughs> or is it just just go <laughs> spark? But that's a really unfortunate analogy. For...
0: Okay, so taking that example of the Mercedes F one team, and the, I mean, it doesn't help that the car's ugly. Um, bless it. Um, how can we apply that to our stand? You know, our normal business practice. So, as a business owner, should I keep going with the strategy? which may be genius, but it is not currently working. At what point should I step away from that strategy and go, I need a different plan?
1: I think that it's the all your eggs in one basket argument. don't put all your eggs in one basket. and I know hormone one's hugely expensive. Mm-hmm. but if it was me, I'd have been to... <laughs> yeah, you'd be doing an alternative sign for when that one doesn't work quietly working away in the corner
0: yeah um, but as a business owner yeah. you know i'm out on a limb what should be the factors i should be considering as to whether or not i should continue with this strategy or whether or not i should move over in your
1: opinion you have to make you have to make a judgment call as to what sort of percentage probability they're actually succeeding within a useful time frame like this Okay. And you have to be open, and you have to be honest, um, and quite often it's useful to get somebody else involved to have that conversation. Because you're too close. It. Yeah, we all get too close to what we're doing. You have to, have to step back and be completely dispassionate about it. Um,
0: and often we're not dispassionate. As business owners, oh. there's way too
1: much emotion, isn't there? Yeah. Absolutely, because it's our baby. We want it to succeed.
0: Yeah. Um, And often it was our genius idea that is the one floundering.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think this is is the point, isn't it? It's the importance of being prepared to talk to lots of other people about what you're doing. Be open and honest about what you're doing. Um,
0: But it's also the importance of setting a budget on that innovation, so you're talking about the probability of a reasonable rate of return within a reasonable time frame. So, as a business owner, only I can decide what that reasonable time frame is,
1: and okay, that's going
0: to come down to what I can afford.
1: But it's more—it's more nuanced than that. So, okay. So whilst we kind of agree that the Sadies is not performing probably the way they want to, it, it's generating a lot of very good PR.
0: It's generating we're a lot of We're talking about VR. it here now, aren't we? Yes. But well, we're also. Basically it
1: is a mobile advert at the end of the day.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> but again, coming back to me running my business.
1: Yes, coming back to you yeah, in the real world. Um,
0: as a business owner, there is an amount of money we can afford to lose at any one time on something that isn't working and if we're talking about um making that decision about when i should stop going for this we have to look at how long can we afford to keep going with a strategy that isn't working
1: oh absolutely there's no point in doing a strategy that doesn't work it's a question of working out whether you're getting anything out of what you're doing um
0: Yes, I'm sure Mercedes head office are thrilled about the PR being generated by their F1 car that's not working.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, there there will be other things which are coming out of that process around. I guess, you know the technical innovation of what they're doing. Yeah. Yes. So if you can take that and apply it to your plan B. You know throw away 45% of what they've done for plan A, but, you know, a lot of it could be better to plan B, then you, you, you have got... You're not necessarily throwing everything away when you change tack. No.
0: You know?
1: And that's, that's what you need to remember. It's, it's looking at what you've got and how much you can salvage from from that plan A when you, when you kick it into plan B. And um, also
0: the question is, do you have a better plan? So when Plan yeah. A isn't working, is Plan B an improvement? Because if it's not an improvement, then stepping away from Plan A to do something that's not better is not good.
1: Well, uh, yeah, uh,
0: you need to be yeah, finding Plan be... C. Uh, I, I
1: was going to say Plan C so is required, but that's just
0: But it is. Um, it's when you're not stepping away from a strategy that's not working into another strategy that you think is not rocking your world at all that isn't being daft that's actually going this isn't an improvement and whatever we do in life we have to be convinced it's an improvement so how can we assess what would be an improvement so if we are innovating what constitutes an improvement
1: we absolutely need to understand why we are innovating in the first place or what the problem we're actually trying to solve is
0: and this is one of your real passions in life is problem identification isn't it yes
1: you get very
0: excited about this
1: I, I do get very pedantic prod- about about what a problem definition should actually look like. If you can't do it in, in like you know fifteen words, then then you don't understand what the problem actually is.
0: Okay, so give me a problem definition for the Mercedes Formula One car.
1: <laughs> my car doesn't go fast enough.
0: <laughs> my car does not go as fast as the competition.
1: My, my car is not as fast as a Red Bull. But and and actually, you know, at the end of the day. If you're basically saying, oh, I want my car to go faster than Max's car.
0: I need it to go faster in a straight line. I need it to go faster around a corner. I need it to stop bouncing so that we, yes. Hurt. Yeah, you
1: see, now you're in the, into the 55-word definition of why. Because by, by making your problem problem definition longer and more complicated, you make it more difficult to solve.
0: Well, except I do need it to go strength. faster in a straight line and I do need it to go faster around a corner because I'm oh, then... slower than the competition in both areas and I do need to, to stop bouncing because the competition doesn't bounce.
1: So, so you're now problem... we're
0: into a... We've got three problems to
1: solve. Yeah, OK. They, they, they are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that much about aerodynamics. But there's but it is a how you define what your what your problem actually is. And, and what you're trying to solve. Whether or not it's worth doing it.
0: Too few business people put enough effort into really understanding the problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah. That's Absolutely. your number one passion in life, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Because if you actually understand what the problem is, then then fixing it is just a question of lying on the doctor.
0: Okay. So um let's take the example of a small manufacturing company their electricity and power bill has just shot up tenfold because power companies are like that at the moment um so they've got a really obvious problem which is my power bill has just shot up is that enough of a problem definition for you
1: yeah, I mean there are the question is how innovative are you prepared to be in order to reduce that power bill? You know, we uh, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of conversation going on around about oh, everybody's power bill is absolutely ridiculous. But we also and it will get more expensive and we can't afford to eat our house and all that sort of thing, but nobody's talking about insulation. You know, we live in a in a, a housing stock in this country where you know, we're all in. We're not all, obviously not all in Victorian terrace houses with no insulation, but yeah. If you we want have to the worst
0: insulated like houses in if Europe. You kind
1: of, if you want, if you want to reduce your power bill, the quickest way of doing that is to stop using so much electricity. Yeah. yeah. And, and for some people, obviously that's quite hard. But, but for a significant proportion of those houses out there, you can do that. Yeah. You spend a you spend money on on insulation products and things like that, and you can bring the power bills down. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, well, how do you cook your food? You know, we all put sausage, chips in, in the oven at night and that basically run a, what, two, three hundred kilowatt oven for 45 minutes generating a whole load of electricity. You know, running up a bill. Is there a more efficient way in which you can cook dinner?
0: Or can you combine cooking um, tasks? So, for example at the same time as I'm cooking my sausage and oven chips, God, we sound really healthy for her. <laughs> um, but if, for example, I um, wanted to make a cake this week um, to go into lunch boxes, for example, then I could be cooking the cake at the same time. The power oh. bill is effectively halved because I'm combining two cooking things. So back to business, can we alter as our manufacturing company the processes or manufacturing processes to make them more efficient and this is the kind of innovation as a coping strategy mindset isn't
1: it absolutely i mean i suppose the the obvious answer is like can you put solar panels on your roof yeah that's talking about how
0: you can generate electricity but i'm talking about the actual production processes can you be doing them in a different way in order to reduce your power usage
1: i mean there's a, there's an interesting one that i was looking at of, of, you know changing the hour, office hours so you reduce the amount of time you need to have the lights on
0: yeah or <laughs> um you know for some industrial units for example get a window cleaner up onto the roof to clean
1: your roof windows yeah.
0: Because they in some cases have got years and years and years of grot on them
1: how many people are still running incandescent bulbs fluorescent tubes get many these it, it is pretty basic stuff but the, the difference is, is is significant and okay so' we've we're, we're been slightly flippant with the examples we're picking on here um
0: well you might be i'm trying well, not I am, to be. because
1: that's where my brain works yeah but, um yeah <laughs> It is a question of going
0: in there and looking at, okay, so how am I going to reduce the amount of energy I'm using? It is that mindset um, of however bleak things might look, there is a lot of inefficiency in every organisation and it doesn't matter how well Mm -hmm. it's run, the inefficiency creeps in. And yes, there is always something that we can be doing.
1: You know, I could sit here now and I could probably reduce just looking around the office. I could go and unplug a load of stuff, and that would probably reduce the amount of electricity on music <laughs> sitting in here. 25%. And it's kind
0: of interesting, isn't it? On the um, in how many offices have you got staff who've quietly brought in a mobile phone charger and a oh, charging up there? well, just quietly charging up their phone and their, you know, tablet, their personal phone and their personal tablet during work time on your electricity bill. And yes, it's the number of people who've quietly got a fan heater under their desk um, and all kinds of other random things. Now, removing all of that, yes, they'll hate you but it is inefficiency so you've kind of got that trade-off on a that's lovely but i'm not here to charge up your phone and everything else
1: um, i mean we talk, we talk a little bit about um, how people used to live that's basically when you know 50 years ago 60 years ago the amount of energy you used and available to consume was significantly less you know we wouldn't have had air conditioning Mm-hmm. how did we how did we manage you now we had windows that opened <laughs> we yes. had lower see ce- we had lower ceilings you know there's all these things in terms of the building design I mean they're not short most of them are not short-term fixes because of the structures that we live in we work in but,
0: but you can' awesome. you can be going around your premises really looking at what you're spending your power spending mm-hmm. power on. You can be looking at your manufacturing or production processes and really looking at how can we do this more efficiently. Um, Efficiently doesn't mean worse. It's more efficiently. Um, We can still have the same aspiration for quality of delivery. We're just doing things in a different way. And of course, you need to be looking at your data systems and how you're going about doing things, don't you?
1: But in order to, to do that, you need, need to understand what it is you're doing. Yes. And uh, down to a very, a, a reasonably granular level and what all these people who work for you are actually doing.
0: So um, what you're saying is people should um, be investing in business analysis.
1: Uh, you can never underestimate the value of a little bit of business analysis. Come on, boys.
0: I, I, I know we're biased, yeah. but you know, it's our podcast, we can be biased and go Yeah, mm. actually, in terms of our experience of working with clients, we you know, business analysis is something that we do. And we see the benefit. Because mm. we go in and ask a load of nosy questions and go why are you doing that and doing that and doing that. And yes, I'm about to be flippant and insulting. But we're talking about where people are being unintentionally epically stupid.
1: But 95% of the time they know they're being it. that could be stupid.
0: Or they don't know because no, they've never thought about it on the, you know, why do you invoice after you have done the work if we're talking about cash flow?
1: Or if yeah. You, yeah. I think it's the how you get people to talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it the way they're doing it. And quite often you'll find people are doing it because everybody else, they thought everybody else thought they should do it that way. Yes, and they realise that what they're doing is, is not the cleverest way. They just
0: they don't have a better plan. And innovation well, they don't think is that the, about the better
1: plan would be acceptable to everybody else. Therefore, they do it that
0: way. And we're back into making assumptions, which is one of our yeah. ongoing themes. So, yeah. Um, Bill Stockett, it has been absolutely (laughs) lovely talking to you this morning. Thank you so much for being my emergency stand-in because, you know, I I, I don't think I'd be that exciting wittering on for half an hour without someone to talk to. Um, So that was innovation as a coping strategy. Um, Thank you so much for your insight. That's all right. That's a pleasure.